This is JP Mac, and welcome to Liberty Relearn, not just another conservative blog. Okay, today is our Halloween special, and so we're going to talk about some very scary things and some very spooky ideas. Ah. So today for Halloween, we're going to talk about those things that scare the leftists the most. And those things, uh, in reverse order, uh, are number five, individually held rights and beliefs. Individually held rights and beliefs. Collectivism is the core ideology of the left. Communism, socialism, and fascism are all variations of collectivism. The individual must surrender themselves to the collective. For the greater good has been the rationale behind every tyrannical law and dictate. Independent thinkers question the intentions of others and have a stubborn reliance on the facts when it comes to making important decisions for themselves and their loved ones. The leftist elite cannot have anyone questioning their decisions, much less refusing to go along with them. To paraphrase the fascist, nothing outside the collective, everything inside the collective, and nothing against the collective. All wants and needs must align with those of the collective. We see this taken to its logical extreme in Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged, when society completely collapses without the services of those who refuse to sacrifice their own self-interest to an ungrateful society that takes them for granted. Number four, organized religion, especially Christianity and Judaism. For left to realize their totalitarian dreams, they know they cannot have any competing ideologies. Objective morality, like objective reality, acts as a sociological insulation against the kinds of amoral and even immoral behaviors that are necessary for the totalitarianism to gain and maintain control of the populace. Just like the pigs in Orwell's animal farm needed to change the laws of the farm to suit their needs and to give the appearance that they were not above the law, so too does the left need an ever-changing sense of morality that suits the needs of the elite among them. Ultimately, just as with the totalitarian system of the 20th centuries, the left needs you to be obedient not first to God or a set of laws such as the Constitution, but to them. Number three, having to defend their ideas. Their long war against free speech reached its zenith with the temporary deplatforming of Parler, a challenge to Twitter's dominance in the social media market. The social media giants Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube have decided, dedicated themselves to eliminating or squelching competing points of view. Time and again, conservative speakers have been the target of protests, sometimes violent boycotts, and censorship. The left prefers cancellation to debate. Whenever you hear the terms like disinformation or misinformation being used in the mainstream media or a story gets quote fact checked that's usually a sign that the article or statement in question runs afoul 
of their established approved narrative. This is a sign that the left realizes the fragility of one of their narratives. Number two, a Trump presidency. I know a lot of you thought this might have been number one, but uh, you'll see, you'll understand when you see number one. A Trump presidency, Democrats have dedicated themselves since he was elected in 2016 to remove Donald Trump from power. Two failed impeachment attempts, zealous prosecution, and scores of nuisance lawsuits against Trump show just what an existential threat they left believe he poses to their plans. Even after two years out of office, Trump lives rent-free free in the heads of Democrats. President Biden even dedicated a speech almost entirely to labeling MAGA Republicans as threats to democracy. And the number one thing that the left fears the most is losing power. Power is the ultimate pursuit of the left. Follow the left's ideology to its logical conclusion and you have a totalitarian state not unlike the one imagined by Orwell in his novel 1984. It stands to reason then that their greatest fear is not being in control of everything and everyone. The left is highly motivated by fear and they fear a world in which they are not in control. And in such a wor world, they will be victimized by those who are. This is driven by the Marxist belief that all power balances between people result in an oppressor-oppressed relationship. And those are the top five things that the left fears the most. And so let's recap the, that top five. Uh, first is losing power. Uh, second is a Trump presidency. Uh, third is having to defend their ideas. Fourth is organized religion. And five is individually held rights and beliefs. So let's start at number one. As I mentioned, uh, obtaining power is the number one goal of the left. Um, Basically, you can see that in everything they do. In the laws they make, in the rules they make, everything is designed to perpetuate, to gain, to gain them power and to perpetuate their power. And they already have a considerable amount of power in the public realm. Um, think of Hollywood, think of academia, uh, and politics. They have almost total control of the social space in at least the West. But they're looking for all. They want to eliminate all challenges to their power. And the reason that, as I mentioned, is that they are very, they're very driven by fear. And so Fear is being the motivating factor. What they fear the most, I mean, besides losing power, but the reason why they fear losing power the most is because they live in this dynamic, this Marxist dynamic 
of oppressor versus the oppressed. And in every uh, relationship, there's an oppressor and an oppressed. Any, any power imbalance between two people or two entities, there is this um, oppressor-oppressed relationship. And they fear that if they're not the ones in total control, they will be on the wrong end of that oppressed relationship. They'll be the ones victimized. And so everything they do is geared towards power. So when you think of one that, what they want to do in America uh, politically, what, they, what do they want to do? Well, they want to um, get rid of the filibuster so that the minority power will not have a say in the making of laws. And, well, they won't have an effective say. Um, the way it's been for something like 150 years in this country is that the minority power, well, both, both sides, both parties, have the ability to filibuster a bill that they don't like. That means drag the discussion out of the bill until finally uh, the other side uh, gives up on that bill or that piece of legislation. And so that's a very effective tool for whichever party is not in power. Currently, that's the Republicans. Uh, soon, um, in a week or so, we will probably find out that that's going to change. And it will probably change qu quite dramatically, I think, in January of next year. And uh, the red wave, as predicted, should hit and the balance of power will happen. And then you'll see them, uh, the Democrats, really change their tune on the filibuster all of a sudden. All of a sudden, it's going to be a, um, a, a, an essential ingredient to our democracy. And they'll even probably accuse eventually the uh, Republicans of wanting to get rid of the filibuster. But right now they want to do get they want to get rid of that so that they can have deny the power to minority, the minority party, which right now, for at least the next couple months, it is the Republicans. And they want to do that so that they can change the rules on uh, appointing justices. They want to pack the Supreme Court. And by packing the Supreme Court, they can basically control the decisions they made. Because a lot of the real power comes from the court. And so, like Roe versus Wade, they don't want to have another Roe versus Wade to deal with. They want to always have a sympathetic court that's going to agree with them, that believes in the living constitution. The only way they see to do that, or the best way, easiest way to do that, is to pack the court. In other words increase the number of Supreme Court justices to, say, 15. And in that way, and of course, they put their people in, these people who believe in the living, quote-unquote, living constitution. Um, but I, as Justice Scalia, preferred we want a constitution that's dead. Dead, 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 like my friend uh, uh, Paul Yurk, alas. And... So they want that so that they can control what laws, so that if they pass a law that's constitutionally dubious, uh, they'll have a sympathetic Supreme Court to rubber stamp 
any challenge to that law, prevent any challenge from going through to that law. So everything they've been doing, they've been trying to change the election laws. Um, they did uh, in 2020 uh, change a lot of laws in a lot of the swing states, such as Pennsylvania and Michigan, in their favor in a way, you know, like um, mail-in balloting, massive mail-in balloting with lot, not much accountability. All of that is to gain power. So everything they've done is a process to gaining ever more power. They con took control of academia. They control Hollywood. They, they control a lot of almost every parts of society. Um, right now, I think, you know, somewhat optimistically, they're probably at the zenith of their power right now. And I think with the uh, taking over of Twitter by Elon Musk, that is represents um, them losing one of their power bases. And of course, they're, they're absolutely apoplectic about it. Um, they, and what, what can they do? I think as long as Elon is smart uh he can allow any free any speech he wants doesn't care if the left thinks it's hate uh hate speech or not um of course they have a very uh liberal definition of hate speech and as they do with fascism marxism well fascism racism uh, misogyny homophobia you know they have a very loose definition uh basically anything they're not for is a hate speech or some sort of hate speech in their book and that's the way they govern when they had power over Twitter now they don't have power and you could see how it's just driving them absolutely bonkers to lose that big power base in society Twitter and so everything they do is for to gain power. They're afraid that if they're not the ones in charge, then someone else will be, and they will be victimized. Um, because all they can see is that differential in power where it's, you know, a zero-sum game. If someone wins, someone else has to lose. Um, not necessarily the truth. I don't believe that's the truth, but that's what they believe, that all power has to come at the expense of somebody else having power. All right, uh, second is a Trump presidency, which goes directly towards that power. He's a very direct and existential threat to that power because he can uh, not only keep them from getting more power, he can take their power away. And that's indeed what he did. Uh, one of the first things he did upon taking offices was to re reduce the number of federal regulations. He made it so that for every new regulation they posted, they had to rescind two old ones. And not coincidentally, but as soon as uh, Biden got into power, he, he of course, reversed that. He overturned that executive order from Trump. And so the first, very first thing he did, did Trump, was limit the power of the executive branch. Uh, through regulation, through these unelected bureaucrats. As I mentioned, the um, big government um, Democrats and 
because of their fear of not being in power and they have to have they don't trust people to make decisions on their own that's basically one of their core things and so they if they don't trust people to make the right decision there they want the government to make that decision for them okay they want to eliminate uh, people's ability to make decisions and make anything that might be uh, go against their their narrative or, or their program and so a Trump presidency was an existential threat and of course a lot of their power base in Washington is the deep state and he was Trump was trying to defang the deep state of course the deep state of course fought back uh, pretty much preemptively really even as soon as Trump was nominated uh, they went to work uh, first derailing um, Trump's candidacy by um, uh, creating false pretenses to spy on him through this fake Russiagate hoax right this this Russia collusion hoax that's how that got started by the Hillary Clinton campaign and then carried on by the deep state mainly with the, the FBI who aided and abetted Hillary and of course we went through three years of the Mueller investigation finding out trying to find out if anything that Trump may have done wrong and basically they couldn't find anything um, and so the left hates that because he stands in between them and the, the power the kind of power they want and just remember what they want ultimately if you if you look at what the direction they're going um, be it the World Economic Forum or the Democrats or any uh, of the globalist elite you know sometimes you know I repeat myself but any of those entities you can see what they're doing is they're putting they're creating power bases for themselves and so what they do is they create the rules and they enrich themselves and they want to set the rules just right so that they're the ones in power and it's very hard for anybody else to come behind them or replace them once they're in power and so Trump was against that he went against them uh, their wishes economically and militarily and he he fought the globalist and but globalism is one of the steps towards the kind of total power at least over the West that the left dreams of because the logical conclusion of what they want is a totalitarian state Okay, totalitarian oligarchy like the kind described in George Orwell's 1984 where all other modes of thought all other ideologies all other competing parties are just not just not allowed or fought but they are made illegal and people who go against um, the group think uh, are punished and that's what they're trying to do now and another thing that that gets in the way of them achieving their power 
is having to defend their ideas. Um, of course, this, this is their war on free speech. Uh, this is why you can have no dissenting voices. And I mentioned, like in uh, Orwell's Oceania, uh, the Big Brother Party will brook no other um, competing parties, competing interests. And so anybody who comes up with anything, who thinks of anything that's not part of the party line is taken out of society and eventually killed or sent to um, re-education camps um, and eventually are, are done away with. But, of course, you know, the, the global elites aren't quite there yet, but they are trying to create a... Uh, world versus um, where their ideology reigns, and that's important. Because um, as I read this book, thinking, um, talking about scary things, it's not Frankenstein, but this is scary in its own way when you understand what the elite are trying to do. And this is goes through step by step the psychology behind um, how they get people to do crazy things like, say, uh, men can have babies and things of that nature. And so one of the main things here, as I've mentioned before also, we're talking about tonight, is fear. Um, the basis of what uh, Matthias Desmet calls in his book The Psychology of Totalitarianism um, it's a kind of free-floating anxiety, this fear, but it's not directed at all at one thing. Like, it's not, um, simply a fear of losing your job or losing your livelihood or getting sick or, you know, not being able to pay your mortgage. It's sort of a kind of nebulous kind of, uh, what he calls a free-floating anxiety. And... What that does is this fear creates people, they want to get into a position where they will do almost anything to alleviate that anxiety. And so they want certainty. So the, the opposite of anxiety for people is certainty, to have a feeling of certainty. And that's what like a, a dictator does. But the difference, as um, Desmet points out in his book, between a dictatorship and a totalitarian regime, is a dictatorship just makes the rules to favor himself and the party. That's the only purpose. Is, you know, you do what I say. The purpose is, you know, like Saddam Hussein had a dictatorship. Another um, Latin, there have been countless Latin American dictators, you know, Pinochet for instance, and what their, their commonality is, everything is for them. The military serves them. Uh, you can do what you want, but ultimately you have to serve my needs. And the difference between a, a dictatorship and a totalitarian system is that it's not the person that's in charge, it's the ideology that's in charge. And that's something that very much that Orwell picked up in his book, 1984, in particular, 
it is the ideology that's in charge. Uh, he talks about the people in the inner party, the Ingsoc party, inner party, you know, the big party of Big Brother, as being mortal, that they're going to live on through forever because if, when they die, their ideology will continue um, ad infinitum until the end of time. Um, that's the, their belief, and that's what drives them. And so it's the ideology, not the personality, that drives the totalitarian state. And so, in order to promote the ideology, well, you have competing ideologies, right? You have free market uh, ideology, you have libertarians, you have conservatives, you have even classical liberals. They all go against this leftist ideology, and they can have no competition. And so that's why anytime that someone gets too big in some circle, like a conservative, um, uh, um, some talk talk show host, and gets too big, too popular, and so they have to cancel him or her. Okay, so you get someone like a Ben Shapiro. Well, they can't have that. Once they get to a certain level, then they have to cancel. You have to be canceled. You cannot have anybody listen to that person. Because now you have a powerful competing voice to your own. As I mentioned, the whole point of the left is to obtain basically total power like you see in uh, 1984, something like that. And so you can have no competing ideology because people would want to take it off uh, in a more libertarian direction. Or you want to have liberals want to have freedom for people as much freedom as possible, but they don't want, um, they want, they understand the need for some rules and some law, but they want to be able to do what they want. Basically, they want to expand the number of things they're allowed to do. So they're liberal. Or you have the conservative ideology, um, which doesn't want to change. They think that things are pretty good. They want to do small incremental changes that keep things as close to the original form as possible, as, as close to the status quo as possible. They don't want no change, um, but they want small incremental change. And particularly in the United States, conservative uh, conservatism in the United States is based on freedom and liberty and free markets and capitalism. It's all based upon that. So based upon the idea of natural rights. And so that's an ideology. The ideology of the founders is in competition with the Marxist or neo-Marxist or postmodernist ideology of the left. And so they cannot have that. They want to shut down the bait. But people will see some of the silly things they do, like in the name of climate change, they want to uh, do away with fossil fuels without anything really to replace it uh, on a one-for-one -one basis. Okay, so people are now looking at the real possibility of freezing to death in the winter, this winter, particularly in, in Europe, 
where they're highly reliant on fossil fuels, particularly natural gas from Russia. And so people see that. Um, they, they see this irrational uh, things being done in the name of climate change, like they want to do away with all modern farming methods, all um, nitrogen-based fertilizer, like in the, in the case of the Netherlands or in Sri Lanka. They want to do these things, and people say um, they're not part of the um, collectivist movement. They're not part of this um, this group, this this group that's trying to take power on the left, they're not thinking like the people on the left want you to think. They're thinking of another way. They're saying, "Well, hold on, maybe maybe it's not a good idea to um, power down, to decommission all of our nuclear power plants just yet," as the Germans are are finding out, and so. They, um, they, they're, some of them, um, have figured out that maybe we don't want to, um, decommission the, the power plants and maybe we're going too fast, too far with the, um, so-called green energy, like, uh, wind and solar. And, but there's, there, there's not enough. Uh, development of wind and solar to replace what they want to take away from the fossil fuels. And people are looking at that and they're saying, well, we can't do this. Well, the, the, the left doesn't want to hear that. That's getting in the way of them taking control. Remember, if they can take control over the energy sector, they control just about everything. Okay, They only need to control the financial sector energy sector and the health sector really and the military and they have control of vir virtually everything because you're you're trapped into that system now and so that goes back to their number one fear of being dominated by someone else by being victimized because remember everything is a victimhood mentality on the left so that's their chief chief fears is trying to avoid uh, victimhood. Uh, the other thing they want to do is they're using uh, climate change, the idea of climate change, to get people not to use like nitrogen-based fertilizers, which is kind of suicidal. Um, because we we got this far with something like seven, eight billion people on the earth because we improved our farming methods. Okay, and if we regress them to pre-industrial agrarian farming methods, now, like 200 years ago, everything was was uh, organic, right? All farming was organic. If we roll the clock back to 200 years ago to an all, all organic farming, well, we're not going to be able to produce the yields of, of crops that we need to, okay? Um, because nitrogen-based fertilizer is a big part of that. I mean, there's other irrigation and satellites looking down to which part of the field needs irrigation and is getting it or not, and sunlight and things like that. But uh, nitrogen-based fertilizer is a large part of the modern farming method that has helped us 
Earth provide for like 8 billion people so far? When back in the 70s and 80s, uh, the left was saying that we're going to be starving to death. We're going to have mass starvations in starting in the 1990s. Of course, that never happened. And of course, they had to keep moving the goalposts there. And people see that and they say, well, listen, you've been saying this for 50 years. It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. If you just leave us, um, work, let the free market uh, sort itself out because people don't want to starve. And that's going to motivate people to come up with new farming methods and new fertilizers. And some people are going to want to go organic. And we're going to develop those too as much as possible. The free market will, will sort things out. The left doesn't trust the free market. They don't trust the, the judgment of individuals. They, want, they think that everything has to be run by experts, a team of experts, these philosopher kings, as what was envisioned by, um, for utopian societies. Um, so, so they fear that. And people who say, um, listen, we can't do this. We're not, we, we're not ready to get off of fossil fuels just yet. We can't replace the fossil fuels. Um, we cannot get rid of nitrogen-based fertilizers just yet because there are other, other methods can't give us the yields that we need to support a, a, a uh, planet of 7, 8 billion people. Okay, so they, they don't want to um, have to dispute that. They don't want to hear any disputes. They don't want any studies that say, well, you know what, maybe this fertilizer uh, thing is not a good idea, and here, here's what's probably going to happen. Um, they don't want to hear any studies that that say that, you know, climate change isn't the isn't worth doing uh, destroying our economies for particularly it's not worth destroying our energy sector for it's not worth us freezing to death over in the winter for okay i mean even if there there may be a, some sort of problem uh human ingenuity will eventually overcome that problem um we don't have to do all of this all of these uh, self-destructive, take all these self-destructive measures to deal with what little climate change may happen that we'll have to deal with sometime in the future. Okay, and so number four is organized religion, especially Christianity and Judaism, because they are the, the two dominant religions of the West. And of course, more and more you have Islam too. So the Abrahamic religions, the three Abrahamic religions, are a problem, um, or all organized religions basically is a problem for the for the left, um, particularly when they have a clear sense of morality. They have their sacred texts that say basically in black and white what the rules are, what the rules are should be, and they don't want anybody but them and their experts determining what the rules should be. And of course, if you have Jesus saying, well, you should act this way, um, but the collective needs you to act that way, 
you know, you can't have people going off and following Jesus. Because, um, you know, we know more about how to run your life than Jesus or Abraham or Muhammad or Buddha, as it were. Um, so you can't have objective reality. You can't have objective re religion. So those things kind of go in, in hand in hand. The the power of, you know, the like Desmet talks about the mass formation psychosis is in the fear. It's in this free-floating free anxiety. And so they have to keep the, the fear going. That's why you notice it was uh, climate change that was going to destroy us. Then it was COVID, then it was monkeypox, and then the Russians came and invaded Ukraine, and that, and that was it. Now they're, uh, you had the president uh, openly talking about nuclear Armageddon, you know, World War III. And this is all to keep the tensions up, because a fear for population is more, is less likely to act rationally. They're going to follow anybody who says they have a solution. Now, conveniently, the left has a solution for us, right? And so they want to be the ones that everybody counts on. They want to be the experts, the philosopher kings that everybody looks to to solve this problem. And so they need a bit of anxiety to continue on. Uh, things are going too well. Um, that would not serve well the left. Um, you know, as Orwell mentions in 1984, the the, um, the countries, the three major super states, uh, Oceania, uh, East Asia, and Eurasia, are always constantly at war with each other. It doesn't matter which combination is at war. They think because because of the uh, super states are so evenly balanced that no one can take over the other. So they have this continuous state of war which serves them because they can't have things going too good. If they start, if there's long stretches of peace, you know, you're going to have a surplus of production. You're going to have, well, you're not going to have people being uh, afraid of not having things or not having enough food. And so in 1984, the party settles on this continuous state of warfare. It doesn't matter who the war is against, as long as there's war that keeps the people occupied, that keeps the right amount of anxiety in the populace for them to keep them going and to keep their narrative going, as we would put it. And so, of course, um, I said, the Big Brother is the only religion that you can't have really any other religion, and so and so it is in the real world too. Uh, people following organized religion, well, first of all, they're going to be more at peace. Maybe they're not. They're going to be less afraid of dying because they know they're going to go to heaven. They they know that there's an afterlife, and so they they lose their fear of death. And, and the left wants you to be afraid, and that's what gives them their power. Because an afraid people, as we've seen with COVID, um, are less likely to act rationally. Now, like a good example was they said, you know, wear a mask. Well, first they didn't want you to wear a mask, but then they want you to wear a mask 
And a lot of that as a, as a symbol is a reminder. You see other people wearing masks and they say, well, they must know something I don't, so I need to wear the mask too. And so you get this reinforcement, this continuous reinforcement. And that was able to keep up for a while. But all along there were people were saying, well, this is not normal. We didn't do this for the flu. We didn't do this back in 68 when we, when we had the... Um, the flu back back then in the 60s we didn't do that um we didn't uh force people not to work we didn't do uh lockout we did people we didn't lock down anything last time there was a major pandemic came through uh, we didn't do any of this and so there was always people questioning this and then you have the narrative well we can only only have um certain treatments by the way these certain treatments are provided by our leaders are in the oligarchy right so you have these corporate giants like pfizer moderna what have you all benefit uh, what did the what did the lockdowns do they benefited the big box stores right the only place you could go was you typically one of the big box stores um, so if you had a corner grocer, you know, maybe you had a, a small time, um, store that they were all closed down. If you wanted to go buy your store at a small boutique instead of uh, a big department store, you couldn't because all those small businesses were, were, were shut down. And of course, you know, you had, of course you could forget about, um, having a, having dinner you know you can forget about having food at a restaurant because most of the restaurants are small businesses they're not big corporate entities some of them are but most of them still are uh, small mom and pop um, small business entities so you, you can't have that and of course the you know shutting down religion was one of the first things they did right they took away your right to practice your religion freely as you see fit um, they shut down the churches even if you wanted to have church outside with people wearing masks you weren't allowed in some cases to do that even and of course you know, I had that minister in Canada who was arrested because he wouldn't uh, submit to the authority um, to shut down his congregation so you can tell, you know, organized religion may cause people first not to have the level of anxiety and fear that's a requisite for giving over power. As I said, you're more likely to give over your personal power if you think that the person in charge knows more than you do. And so you're going to do anything, you're going to submit to anything just to get that uh, power to feel like you're um, being taken care of. Right. Usually that's uh, uh, an illusion that that the uh, that the leftists love to propagate because they you know it's a, a ideology. It's not just they call the personality like a dictatorship. It's an ideology, and they want to further the ideology. So it's the ideology that's ultimately calling the shots. And so that's as I mentioned, Desmond. Um, does a good job of that describing, you know, in his book, The Psychology of Totalitarianism. 
um, that free floating anxiety. And, and of course, you can't, you know, they want to cut off uh, the religion is a good, good way to answer that. Um, so they want to cut, cut that off. And then uh, finally, you have uh, individuality. You have the idea of individuality and individually held rights and beliefs. And this is called, called, tied into also number four, organized religion, because organized religion suggests that your rights don't come from men, but they come from God. Okay, there's this thing called natural rights, and it's in our uh, Constitution, and it's in our De Declaration of Independent Independence, talks about natural rights. And so, if your rights are coming from God, then they're not coming from man or the government. And the role of government, um, as envisioned by the founders of the U.S. Constitution, is to protect the rights of man. Now, the left flips that over, and the role of government is to protect the survival of the ideology and those who... Uh, serve it, you know, the ruling party, the ruling elite. And so that leads to individually held rights and beliefs. And of course, one of those rights, of course, as we mentioned, is the right, the freedom of religion. The other is the right to free speech. That's another thing that they don't like. If you think you have a natural right to free speech, then you are going to resist that. And of course, we already discussed why they can't have that, because they can't have you thinking that there might be a better way than what their solution, what their experts are proposing. They cannot have you think that there's a better way and think for yourself and make your own decisions and say, you know what, I'd rather uh, take my chances and not wear a mask or not get, get inoculated, not get vaccinated. You know, they can't have people thinking like that. Um, so you saw during COVID is a good example, you know, the stripping of individual rights. Um, of course, first and foremost were the rights of religion and free speech because you cannot have any dissenting voices. And it's also for the greater good. You're supposed to subsume your uh, best interest to the best interest of the ruling party okay so you're um, you can only have your own interests so far as they serve the interest of the collective okay kind of like the collectivist uh, credo from fascism you know uh, nothing against the state um, well everything inside the state nothing outside the state nothing against the state same thing can be said, as I mentioned, about the collective. Okay, you just replace the state with collective. And you have uh, uh, leftism in its more general sense, rather than the specific sense um, from uh, instance of fascism. And so, anybody who's read Atlas Shrugged can see the tension between the individual rights and liberties and wants and the rights and wants of the group 
and the whole idea of Atlas Shrugged is that no, I'm not going to dedicate my life to making you more powerful, keeping you comfortable. Okay, I will do what I want. I'm happy for you to benefit from me doing what I want, from me providing my services, but I have to be compensated. And I want the markets to determine the level of my compensation, not the state, not society. And if society gets to a point where it can't afford me, um, then that's tough. You know, I'm not going to be your slave. I'm not going to be your serf. I'm not going, my existence is not to simply serve the collective, okay? I want to serve myself and my family and my loved ones first. I want to address my interest and where our interest and your interests coincide. We can do business. When they don't coincide, we, we agree that, uh, to go our separate ways. And that's the idea of individuality of an objectivism from Ayn Rand, particularly as portrayed in Atlas Shrugged. And the idea is that you had the collective, right? The collective was society, became overly dependent upon these great thinkers. Um, the Elon Musk of the world, those types, you know, the super rich, um, powerful, who um, made their wealth, created their wealth from their own imagination, from their mind, from what they did. Um, so... You had to be with in line with what they what the power want. Um, so, like you are free to be like uh, you know you're fr free to create uh, Tesla. You know you're you're free to create your own electric vehicles and sell them and uh, sell spaceships and and create spaceships that uh, provide satellite services in, in place of NASA. But when push comes to shove, you have to use it for the way things that we want you to use it for. And when in Atlas Shrugged, the idea was that these people, um, they went on strike and they took their services elsewhere and they said, you know, we're going to deny you our services because we don't feel appreciated. Um, we believe that we need to be fairly compensated and we need to have a say. This has to be a two-way street. It's not just you telling me what you're going to give for my services or that maybe you're going to demand my services for free, making me effectively a slave of yours. And so those people saw this. They saw that they were working for often an ungrateful um, society. And they said, you know what, I'm out. Um, you guys, good luck doing your own thing. We're out of here. And of course, as soon as enough people, enough key people, people in key industries left, um, like the steel industry, the transportation industry, um, the energy industry, all those people who kept the, the, the wheels of civilization running, once they left, people were, was, were left and they, they did not have the imagination um, necessary to keep things going. And so civilization, civilization suffered.
And so that was the whole idea. Um, it's like, you, we're going to pursue our individual interests and goals. And we're happy to, when our goals coincide and our motivations coincide and, and we can work together, then we're, we're happy to provide or trade our services for something of value that you offer. But that cannot be a, a one-way street. That cannot be a lopsided deal. We're not going to just do this for free or just because you asked us to. So that's the idea of people working in their rational self-interest. And of course, people working in their rational self-interest, well, they're not, in, they're not necessarily interested in what the collective wants. Okay, they're not, they're not worried about what the party wants. They're not worried about what the elites want. They're pursuing their own dreams and goals and aspirations. And the left wants to ensure that your dreams, goals, and aspirations coincide and can only coincide with theirs, what they think, what their experts is. So you have this tyranny of the experts going on. And so this is like the last piece or the first piece in the puzzle that needs to be done away with is a sense of individuality. They want you to believe that you have to do sacrifice your own best interest um, for the best interest of other people. Okay. Now, again, that's different from, let's see where our interests coincide and working there. It's your interests have to coincide with that those of the state or those of the collective. People tend to want, if they work harder, they want to be rewarded at a greater rate than those, a rate than people who don't work as hard or, or don't have a great idea or don't put in the time. You know, people, you know, they, they like meritocracies, basically. And a lot of people are going to uh, let go of the idea of meritocracies um, not very easily. Uh, but that's not what the left wants. The left wants... Um, a kleptocracy, or um, they want uh, crony capitalism, right? They want to control you, and they want to come up with new ways of controls. Like, okay, you're, we think that you're using too much energy. We want you to have to pay a carbon tax for using, for exercising your freedom to take a, a trip or buy a gas-powered vehicle. And so they, they, they want to gain leverage over the people. And so that's why they have ideas now of like a digital currency. Okay, so that, and that eliminates the idea of the individual um, doing what they want. Now the individual has to be a part of the group. Um, you have to be a part of this group in order to do commerce, you have to do, be a part of the collective in order to make a living, do what you want to do, um, get paid, say what you want to say. Uh, it's kind of like the social credit score of communist China. They want to bring that here. They already have it in the form of ESG. Now they want to do things like digital currency to, for 
another way for them to gain leverage over people to make sure that they do what they want. So, because they can't have people doing what the individuals want, because that's not part of their program. Remember, the whole thing is, it's power. The left, and I'll end with this, um, the left's greatest fear is not being in charge. They believe, because everything in their mind has to be a, a victim, victimhood, or victim, or assailant uh, mentality, you know, dynamic, you, you, you have to have the oppressed or the oppressor dynamic, and that's what they believe in. And they believe it's, if they're not the ones making the rules, someone else will, and they will be victimized. And so that is, I think, the left's greatest fear is not having the kind of power. Now, of course, the only way to, in their mind, to alleviate their anxiety uh, completely is to have complete power. And so they're going after totalitarian systems, um, not unlike what you've seen in Orwell's book 1984 or any or several you know, dis different dystopian fictions. But uh, 1984 is the one that most people know and are familiar with. And I think that's kind of the, it's almost the, the playbook. They're almost using the playbook, um, using 1984 as a playbook for um, how to gain power and how to keep it. So thank you for listening. And... Uh, if you're watching this on Rumble, thank you again for watching. Uh, please like and subscribe if you're on Rumble. And of course, uh, you can watch us if you are on if you are on um, if you are on uh, Facebook. You can fa um, follow us on Facebook. And you can also, sorry, and you can also follow us on Getter at LR Podcast. Thank you if you're following us uh, at LR Podcast on Getter. And follow me, JP Mac, on Parlor. And also uh, follow Liberty Relearned online. That's kind of like the mothership of everything I do. Try to get everything comes sense from. The original, the original blog that is libertyrelearn.com. And if you get a chance, visit the Liberty Relearn shop, the LR shop. Go to libertyrelearn.com and hit the shop tab and kind of uh, look at the different uh, designs for t-shirts and stuff. So if you kind of like that, if you believe that or you know, in making Orwell fiction again, then maybe you can, um, there's a way for you to espouse that belief in the form of a t-shirt or a mug or a sticker or whatever. Um, but thank you for listening. Appreciate you listening and following also the Dystopic Journal again on Rumble. And so please like and subscribe, tell a friend. And until next time, stay healthy, happy, and free.